Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You hear it so often, it feels like it's got to be true. I know a lot of you feel that this is true, that greater Minnesota rural communities are overtaxed, underfunded, and ignored by metro legislators and metro-run Minnesota state government. It's a question that Madison McVann for the Minnesota reporter, uh, reformer, I'm sorry to... Uh, mess that up. But Madison's with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline because she took a a really deep dive into this issue of where is the money coming from? Where is the money going? Basically, the fundamental question, Madison, is, you know, are our people in greater Minnesota getting screwed? That's essentially what what you were trying to provide data to give some insight on, right? Yep, that's the goal. Yeah, and I I think it's really really interesting. Give me the top line takeaway from your uh, evaluation of all the available uh, data, anyway, from the state. Yeah, so when you take a look at state tax revenue and expenditures, you know what? Is, where is the money coming from that they're collecting, and then where does it go? Um, what the data show is that the Twin Cities Metro is the state's biggest driver of tax revenue. And rural counties benefit more than the metro area from the, from government aids and credits. Um, so essentially, Twin Cities residents are paying more in taxes and getting less back than people in greater Minnesota. And, and I think greater Minnesota would be surprised by that because it when you read about what the big road projects are going to be or what the big sort of government spending is, it certainly feels like that more of that is happening, you know, and obviously some of that is obvious that there's more population here, but it feels like more of it is happening here in the metro. What 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 did you find as far as why the way we all feel about it maybe doesn't necessarily line up with the data? Yeah, so on the tax collection end, you know, why are are Twin Cities residents contributing more? It starts with the fact that people tend to earn higher salaries, so they're contributing more in income taxes. Um, the Twin Cities Metro is also responsible for a lot of the state's uh, sales tax collection. So that's kind of where it starts, Makes right? Sense. People yeah. in the Twin Cities are contributing more. And then for that piece that you asked about, you know, what are people getting back and why are people uh, in greater Minnesota getting back more than Metro residents? Part of that's just because it's more expensive to serve people in greater Minnesota. When people are more spread out, programs cost more, um, and you end up spending more per capita than you do in the Twin Cities. We're talking with uh, Maddie McVann, who is uh, writing in Minnesota Reformer. Uh, she's a Report for AmeriCorps member who covers the issue of economic mobility in the Reformer. You did find that Greater Minnesota does pay uh, uh, a higher chunk of gas tax than Twin Cities residents, right? Yes, that's correct. And that's mostly just because people drive more, right? That's a, that's what it's called a regressive tax. So everybody across the state pays the same tax, which is 
28 and a half cents per gallon. Um, but in, in rural areas, people just drive more. So greater Minnesota ends up contributing more to that revenue pool. When you look at where the money is going, I, I think, you know, I'm curious how you were able to to come up with an answer to say, like, all right, here's how much money is going to greater. You You did this by county, right? You did like seven county metro versus the rest of the state. Is that how you did it? Yeah, that's, how, that's what I looked at as much as possible. And I also tried to isolate just state money. I mean, government funding is really complicated right. when you're talking about <laughs> yes. local taxes, state taxes, federal taxes. And then, you know, all of those groups also contribute to different spending products, projects. So um, it can be hard to isolate just the state piece. And a lot of this was actually done by experts. So, for example, in transportation, I took a look at um, how that kind of compares between Metro and greater Minnesota. Mm. And for that, I spoke to experts at the University of Minnesota. Um, and what they found was that, you know, same thing that the overall analysis showed, which is that the Metro area contributes more in transportation funding than they receive in benefits. And, a lot, um, and that's yeah. from experts at the University of Minnesota's Center for Transportation Studies. And a lot of transportation when you, th- you know, I think we look at the discussion at the state level. You look at the bonding bill and that sort of stuff. But the bulk of transportation spending is really happening on the local level with local property taxes, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Maddie McVann is with the Minnesota Reformer. Great story at minnesotareformer.com. I want to ask you about schools because that's often a flashpoint uh, where, where people look at the education formula. How, how, is that, how is that shaking out? You know, one of, one of the beauties of Minnesota is this idea that we all pay a higher income tax, so the state can kind of distribute that out for education. So just because you live in a, a less affluent zip code, you don't end up with subpar schools. How do, what did you find with the education component? Yeah, the education formula is really interesting because it actually, you know, from my analysis, seems set up in a way that benefits um, rural schools and inner city schools. Actually, the schools, the school districts that receive the least amount of funding from the state are the suburban districts because they tend to have higher uh, property values. So their property taxes can cover what they need. Um, actually, the district that received the most uh funding per student unit was Belgrade Bruton El Rosa school district, which is a rural district in central Minnesota. Part of what the formula, the education funding formula does is it gives extra money to schools that are to school districts that are sparse. Hmm. Um, So that's why this rural district was the, uh, you know, received the most state money in 2022 schools also receive more money if they serve high amounts, of uh, low-income students, if they have high amounts of English learners. And so that's why some of the, uh, you know, urban school districts get more money um, for those things. So it really just kind of depends on a district-by-district basis. Some parts of the formula benefit rural schools, and some tend to benefit the urban ones. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
You report that the the baseline is about $7,100 per student, but that education formula that you kind of talked about there has 14 different components to it, but... But you said like that those Bel- the Belgrade Bruton schools get thirteen thousand per student. Minneapolis Public School get eighty seven ninety per pupil uh, per student. So kind of that that was interesting to me. And again, like it sort of makes sense if you have a really spread out district. You understand at least the logic there. But I, I I'm curious if you've had reaction from some great some of the kind of people who really have. Uh, at the legislative level, have been pushing this idea that Greater Minnesota gets a raw deal. What what sort of reaction have you had to to your data, which show you know you can analyze whether it's fair or not, but it doesn't seem that Greater Minnesota is getting hosed based on your reporting. Yeah, I haven't gotten a ton of reaction yet, but I'm uh, I'm sure this show will uh, <laughs> only get some more. So please let me know your thoughts. Y'all know where to find me. Yeah, I just um, I think I it's want to mention. Go ahead. Sorry, just something related to, you know, whether whether or not rural is getting hosed. I think, like you said, people can look at this data for themselves and, you know, come up with their own opinions about what's fair and what's not. Um, but I did want to mention there are some real barriers for rural areas to getting funding. Um, you know, even though this data shows that greater Minnesota is getting more money than what they, you know, contribute in taxes, there are some places where they struggle. And, for example, in... Um, when they're applying for grants from the state, mm. you know, small towns don't usually have the staff to compete with some of the, um, you know, better resourced uh, urban nonprofits that we have here in the Twin Cities. So there are some places where they struggle, but it's not sure. necessarily with the with the. Um, you know, the tax dollars that I analyzed here. That's super interesting and such a good point, because the reality is, you know, when you look at affordable housing, that is often, you know, that is a grant situation. And you you uh, bring up in your story the mention, uh, you mentioned Big Fork, 400 people in northern Minnesota. Well, obviously, affordable housing is a major issue uh, there as it is everywhere. But when you only have 400 people and potentially you're, you're applying for a grant that might serve 30 or 40 people or even 100 people uh if you're comparing a grant to serve 100 people or a grant that would serve 6,000 people it's tough it's tough to be big fork it just is yeah definitely so i wanted to bring that up because there are some very real barriers to getting access to um money that would help solve some of the issues that uh greater minnesota cities face yeah, it's one way of looking at it, right? Looking at the tax dollars that are coming in and those kind of dedicated tax dollars going out. But it certainly, I think, uh, it just gives, it rounds out this discussion in a way that I thought was worth uh, shining a light on. So I'm glad you did it, and I'm glad you spent some time with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason. Madison McVan is her name. Minnesota Reformer is where this story is published, minnesotareformer.com. Lots and lots of data in there. Obviously, no matter, you know, people will find what they want, <laughs> as you can do when you look at data. But it definitely does, for me anyway, uh, it makes me feel good that greater Minnesota isn't getting maybe as raw of a deal as some people make it seem like 348 your input always welcome we'll come back and and talk about another very important topic that of national cookie day here on cco 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 